Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to see you tonight. Go ahead and be seated. It's going to be a good night tonight. Thank you so much for being here this evening. I know we've got people from multiple different churches. So good to have everyone here tonight. It's going to be a, a great night in the presence of God. I mean, you know, there's always more in the Lord. Yay. Amen. There's always, there's always more. The Bible says to taste and see that the Lord is good. When we're told to taste and see, that, that wasn't intended to be a, a one-time taste. The idea is that you taste and see that he's good so that you want more and more and more. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's what we're here to do tonight, to seek the Lord, to press in, to lean into the things of God because we know he's faithful, that he rewards us. And that reward is, is more of him, more of him. Amen? It's going to be a great night. If you were here this morning, man, you got, you got uh, that taste. It's just going to continue to build all week long. So honored to have evangelist Tim Hall with us all the way from Australia. Just very good of him to, to travel back to West Virginia. So go ahead and give him a warm West Virginia welcome, evangelist Tim Hall. Just getting a bit organised, nothing serious. How are you folks? Take a seat. Amen. This morning, I felt like a truck had gone over me, an 18-wheeler, and then turned back and reversed over me again. Tonight, I feel like I'm driving one. Yeah. I went home and I wasn't happy this morning. I thought, man, I was a bit like a zombie this morning. So I had some time with the Lord. And, uh, oh, feel the anointing. Are you all happy? Yeah. Does anyone want anything tonight? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, is there anyone that would like to go out of this place shaken to the back teeth? Yeah. Sh- shaken but not stirred. <laughs> James Bond, 007. License to kill. License to kill. The Chicago way, do you know how to do this thing? One of them come with a knife, you come with a gun. They put one of yours in hospital, they put one of theirs in the mortuary, that's how you do this thing. It's not really as a Christian how you do it. It's not how you do it as a Christian, I'll tell you that. Oh, let's get into it. That's it. I don't know why, but I can't preach without pulling my pants up. It's, it's, no, seriously. And uh, it's a bit of a, it's a you know, I should, should bring a belt, I don't like them. I don't like belts. Useless. <laughs> ah, Father, would you anoint your word tonight? Oh, Lord, just let loose. Hallelujah. That's a Rodney Howard Brown. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, would you come and move in power? Demonstrate the anointing of your spirit. Come and demonstrate, we pray. Brood over your word. Make it happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody said. How many know Rodney Howard Brown? If he was here today, say, 
Hallelujah. I mean, no, God's going to do great things. The power of God's going to come right on down. You'll get filled. Come here, dear brother, as you do, the power of God comes on you right now. This is my friend, Evangelist Tim Hall from Australia. Come, come here, dear brother, and tell us what happened in 93. I mean, I was preaching in Bangor, Maine. I laid hands on a man and said the name of G, but I didn't get time to say Zas. No, no. Hallelujah. I want to preach tonight on a whole lot of things. But I think this week we're going to go to another level. We're going to go to another level. We were warmed up the last time. We just warmed up. And now, I don't know, I feel like a new man. I feel like I got born again this afternoon. This morning I thought I died, and today I feel like I've had a Lazarus experience. So watch out in the front row. Hey, I haven't met you before. What's your name? Daisy. Not Daisy Osmond. Do you know Daisy Osmond? Yeah, she's dead now. She's gone. <laughs> she was a good lady. She's a little bit slightly feministic, a bit out there, but she's a pretty strong lady. You wouldn't mess with her, but... You're pretty tough. Yeah. I reckon you are. What do you do? Policeman. What do you do, Daisy? Oh, you do video. Is that your job? It's a good job. Do I look all right tonight? <laughs> I got another one of my COVID coats on. <laughs> None of them fit. I got all these great coats. Ah, gee, I'd hate to be fat. <laughs> All right, come on, preach, Tim. Get into it. Where's a good place to start? Give me a quick script. What's your name? Give me a quick scripture. Luke 4, good idea. All right, turn there. We'll start there. Thanks to Caitlin. The Bible says he went down to Capernaum. Someone say Capernaum. It's a great city. If you've ever, how many have ever been to Capernaum? It's, it's incredible. You've been to, who was that? Who was that that's been to Capernaum? What are you talking about then? It's trying to confuse me. You won't tonight. You could have this morning. Could have told me anything. Capernaum, it's, it really, it's stepping back in time. You go, there's the synagogue, there's Peter's house. And you look over that beautiful water of the Galilee, Sea of Galilee, and the light flickers across the water. And uh, you sit down in a restaurant somewhere and you eat the same sort of fish that they caught there and you feel like you've gone back in time. Get out on the Sea of Galilee and it's a whole experience. It's a magnificent experience that you need to have. So pack your bags and go over there this year. So he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. And he was teaching on the Sabbath and they were astonished at his teaching. Someone say they were astonished. At his teaching, for his word was with what? Authority. His word was with authority. And I want to talk about authority tonight. Now in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, leave us alone. What have we got to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The world doesn't recognise him, but the demons do. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon was, had thrown him in their midst, it came out and did not hurt him. 
Then they were all amazed. That word thambu, thambuo, thambu, yeah. Stupefied, astonished, dumbfounded, out of their minds. The other word that, uh, the word astonished, ek pleso, ek, out of, pleso, your head, out of their mind. They were blown away with what Jesus was doing. They were staggered and they were amazed. And the Bible says they began to, they're all amazed and they spoke among themselves saying, what a word is this? What a word is this? For with authority, exousia and power, dunamis, he commands like a military commander. And the Bible says, saying, and the spirits come out and the report about him went into every place in the surrounding district. Jesus, everywhere he went, operated in dominion. He exercised dominion in every realm, in every area. He showed forth his dominion as the master. Now, I love the book of John. How many love the book of John? Four, fantastic. How many are fond of it? Only fond. How many dislike it? How many feel it's heresy? Well, how many like it? It's a bit better, okay. Book of John, they talk about the seven miracles of John. I think there's really more than that. I think there's one big miracle at the end. But there are seven major miracles in John and every one of them, John uses to let us know who Jesus is and uh, what he could do and where he's Lord. John, right through, tells us he's the Christ. He's the Christ. Jesus is constantly lifted by John. And uh, for me, the book of John, it's a great book because he, uh, he brings out, he loved it when Jesus fired up. Luke was sort of more delicate and uh, he was more, he was nice. Luke was nice. Peter was blunt. Uh, he was really blunt. So the book of Mark is really the book of Peter. It was Peter's scribe wrote that. Luke was like a gentle doctor. Matthew was very Jewish and brings us a great Jewish emphasis. But John is really right on about he's the son of God. He doesn't even bother with a genealogy. He simply says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word came and dwelt amongst us, became flesh and dwelt amongst us, we beheld His glory. John is simply saying, we don't even need a genealogy, just know who He is, right? Well, we do, genealogies are brilliant, they'll help you in your studies, but John gets right into it. But, and I love the fact he gets in the face of the, the Pharisees. I love the, the little disputes and arguments. He picks out all the stuff where Jesus fired up. And Jesus was not always getting around, flitting around like he was throwing flowers and ha 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 ha. I mean, he was stirred up. People say, oh, you shouldn't get angry. Jesus got angry. He got really angry. Turned over the tables, the whip and so on. But we read in John, the miracles of John, and every one of them deals with the authority of Jesus and the dominion of Jesus. And uh, we start in chapter two, and 
Jesus was at a, at a wedding. Wedding's always a good place for miracle. And I'm not gonna get into a dispute about the wine. Um, we're not even gonna go there. I don't drink, just to let you know, I had enough trouble with alcohol before I was saved. And uh, in Australia, we've let loose in our churches with drink. And I've watched a number of major pastors, top pastors that have crashed and it's alcohol's brought them down. We've let it loose through our churches. If a person has a wine with a meal, that's up to them. But I personally believe that uh, I leave it alone because I know what it did to me before I was saved. And I don't really want to camp near the gates of hell and even say, well, how near can I get? I want to get as far from the gates of hell as I can. So I leave it alone. And I don't smoke dope. And I don't chew chewing tobacco. Chawn backy. And I don't swear, but every now and again I'm tempted. Especially driving. Oh my gosh. Every now and again, people in church push you a little bit. I haven't punched anyone in church for a long time. I've had a, back in the old days, I used to, when I was a youth pastor, get a few up against the wall. Back when I was mean, anointed but mean. So the first miracle we read of, Jesus at a wedding and the wine ran out. And so his mother said, sort the situation out, Jesus said, it's not my time yet, it's not my time. And he said, she said to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And he said, go and get those water containers, it's about 62 gallons. You should say, ooh. But he didn't say anything, it's like, hmm. Looking for reaction, it was like crickets in the air. You know, do you have crickets? Anyway, praise God. I heard a number of them there for a moment. So Jesus said, Go and fill the water pots, go and fill them up. And they went and filled the water pots, and he said, Go and dip your ladles into the water. And they dipped their ladles into the water and they pulled them out and the water became wine. And I thought about that. And I, I did chemistry at school. How many people did chemistry at school? And I learned that the chemical formula for water is H2O, two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom. How many know that? And uh, I gotta get this out of my pocket. It's driving me mad. It's there again. Just stuff, I hate stuff in my pockets. And I put that in the back pocket and. The trousers come off, so he... <laughs> So I learned that the chemical formula for water is two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom. So something happened from the dipping of those ladles into the water because I sort of hunted around to try and get something that resembles the chemical formula of wine and the acids and the organic, all that stuff. I'd like to sound like a scientist, but I'm bluffing. But I do get a, a chemical formula here of, of wine, which I, of course, Googled up. C6, H14, 
O and S. So it's six carbon atoms. Where'd they come from? Where did 12 more hydrogen atoms come from? And where did the sulfur atom come from? Because somewhere between dipping in that ladle and pouring it out, carbon atoms, six of them, another 12 hydrogen atoms came in the substance and sulfur appeared in there and suddenly Jesus demonstrated in his first miracle that he is master over the molecular structure. He is master over that unseen under the molecular system. How many know that you're made of molecules? You're made of water, about 80% water. You're actually sitting next to a big drip. (laughs) And so in a moment of time, water changed to wine and Jesus demonstrated that he is master over the molecular structure. And if according to his word, he can change the molecular structure just with a word, but he's given us authority, things can change dramatically. The second miracle was a nobleman. The nobleman came to Jesus and implored him and said, my servant lies at home, he's near death, but would you come and lay your hands upon him that he might live? Jesus said, go your way, your son lives. And he demonstrated that his master over time and over space and that prayer is not restricted and that when he spoke, his words had authority and they cut through the atmosphere and they cut through the spirit realm and they cut directly like a scalpel into a young boy and the power of God hit that boy and he was raised up in a moment. I think I told you the story a few years ago and a couple of weeks ago of something that happened a few years ago. It was two weeks ago, so you will have forgotten by now. You normally forget about 90% of what's preached. That's why I can preach anything and you won't remember. But I was in the Solomon Islands. We had a massive move of God, massive. And uh, during that move of the Holy Ghost, there was a gentleman who couldn't come to the meetings because his wife was insane. Do you remember that story, Reverend? Oh, praise God. And uh, we had a revival. And I had a phone call from this guy. And he said, I wasn't able to get to your meetings because my wife suffers with insanity. And uh, I said, where is she? Said, she's here in the house, a thousand miles away. And I said, put her on the phone. I felt the Lord say, put her on the phone. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this spirit of insanity. And she flew across the room and got delivered a thousand miles away. A thousand miles away. That's something the Apostle Paul never did. Oh yeah, we're back. I've got to blow my nose. I forgot. How do I remember that? about this time into every sermon. I only have to blow them once. (laughs) Blew it so loud one day they thought it was the last trump and people began going. (laughs) Hallelujah, good to be here. Anyone glad they're here? (laughs) Who's really upset about being here? Praise God. She got totally delivered. As a result, actually the Prime Minister said, we want you to come over, and it was on his island. 
And he said, I want you to come back here and I want you to go to that island. And we went over to that island and just that miracle opened that whole place up. And when we got there, we had all of the, the people from government lined up and people came with flowers and they started putting all these things around my neck and I finished up looking like a, uh, some sort of a bush. I don't like a tree or something. I could hardly get around with all this stuff on me. And uh, we got into meetings there and the power of God hit. My son was the only kid with white skin in the whole place and all the kids were coming up and playing with his hair and, and uh, all the girls were coming up and he could have easily got married to one of the young ladies over there. They all loved him. We went to the hospital and uh, pretty much emptied the hospital. We've had, on a couple of occasions now, hospitals as near to emptied as possible and 80% of the people going home let your team loose in the hospital and uh, man, you have some exciting stuff happen in hospitals. But a thousand miles away, the Word of God was unrestricted and the Word of God's unrestricted tonight. We can pray for your loved ones. I remember last time being here and people lifting up telephones. Can you pray for Uncle George over in Washington, D.C. that's got ingrown toenails, is praying for somebody. I don't know who I was praying for, but praying for people because there's no distance in prayer. Jesus demonstrated we have authority in prayer that's unrestricted. No matter what the devil tries to do, unrestricted, we can break through. He'll try and restrict it. Sometimes he tries to slow it down like he did with Daniel, but it'll get through. Someone say it'll get through. We, we underestimate the authority that we carry. The body of Christ underestimates its power. The body of Christ underestimates what we can achieve, what we can do, who we are, what we carry. Greatest revelation we can have individually is who we are in Christ. The third miracle is in chapter five of the book of John. It was the pool of Bethesda. There's a guy sitting there that had been crippled for years and years, sitting there crippled and there were halt and lame and miserable people sitting around with every disease and sickness you could imagine, watching water, hoping something's gonna happen, hoping that something's gonna stir. The people everywhere looking at life and it's like a sheet of water that nothing's happening. They're just waiting for a ripple of something that they can throw themselves into, waiting for something to stir into which they can put their life, waiting for something supernatural. And Jesus walked up to a man and he said, are you willing to be made whole? And I think God still asks that question even tonight. Are you willing to be made whole in this meeting? Are you willing to receive a miracle? Because I think he's more willing to give us one than we are to receive it. I'll tell you something interesting. Since I've left, I wouldn't say I'm exactly running around like a startled gazelle, but I haven't had an ounce of knee pain. The old, the old knees aren't what they used to be, but they're coming good. Slow but sure, I'm getting a miracle. I'm having one. Having one. Having one. Having one. Having one. Having one. Say it for yourself now. I'm having one. Clap, clap, clap. Having one. It's ridiculous. Honestly, you lot carry on. 
Gee, it's good to be in church tonight. Tonight, what Jesus basically said to him, stand up on your feet. But he's the one who stirs the waters of faith. People out there are waiting for something to stir. I'll come there in a couple of minutes. Well, I can, I can go there now because the Bible says the whole of creation is eagerly stretching its head, Romans 8, we're told. Looking for the manifestation of the sons of God who are going to come into their life and stir their waters. People are waiting for you. They're just looking at life and it's like a flat piece of water, but they're waiting for you to step into their life, carrying the supernatural. Not just coming in to condemn them, but coming in the supernatural. One of my friends the other day, he had a plumber come into his house. He's a preacher, he's a wild fella, but he's a great preacher. He's doing a lot in Vietnam. The guy came into the house and and he knew he was a preacher, but he said, oh, can I tell you a joke? And Don thought, oh, uh, the plumber and the joke might not be good. And he told him a terrible joke about the Virgin Mary. And, uh, and Don said to him, what would Jesus do if he came in right now? And the guy was waiting to be rebuked. And he looked at him and the guy was just, oh, oh. And he said, you know what he'd do? He'd probably make you one of his disciples because you're the sort of bloke that he used. And the guy started to laugh. And he said, oh, I like you. He said to the preacher, can I come to your church Sunday? And he came to the church and got saved about a week ago. <laughs> uh, there's a guy on the lift today, Phil, carrying two coffees. And... Uh, I said, oh, what a good man. You got one for yourself, one for your wife. He said, well, uh, not quite my wife. <laughs> and uh, he's about to get out. He said, what do you do? What are you here for? I'm a preacher. He said, yeah, it's my wife. It's my wife. And <laughs> didn't get a chance to respond anyway. And I got, that's got nothing to do with this. So I just threw it in for nothing. That's a free, freebie just thrown in for no real reason. But he's the one who stirs the waters and I've got good news for you tonight that as you preach the water, something happens. As you preach the Word, something begins to stir. Faith comes by hearing. As we're preaching, something starts happening in here. Something starts to take place. The Bible says in Acts 14 that Paul was at Lystra. And there's a man sitting there and Luke says he was crippled from his mother's womb. He never had walked and so on. And as Paul preached, the Bible says the man was listening. He's listening to the Word of God. But Paul looked at him and he forgot everybody else. You know, when you're preaching, I watch all of you. You've got to put up with looking at me, but I've learned something. As you look around, God's really got a sense of humour. Anyway, that's gone over the top. Few people are probably, probably offended anyway. But as he was preaching, there was a guy sitting there in the dust that was crippled. And the Bible says that Paul set his attention on him. The Greek word atonizo, which is the same word for when they saw Jesus go in the cloud, they intensely watched. And Paul began to intensely watch and he preached and he watched and he preached and he watched and he preached and he watched. And when you're preaching as an evangelist or whatever, and you're wanting results, you're watching. You're watching body language. You're watching to see something stirring. 
You watch it now, we're starting to get stirred up now. Uh, you're watching to see where people are at. What's taking place? Who's ready to receive? When is the moment to move? And Paul preached the word and steadfastly beheld him and suddenly, suddenly he perceived the guy was listening and Paul was preaching and the word of God was working between them. The listener was being changed and Paul was looking to see the stirring of faith, that strange thing that happens when faith stirs. And suddenly Paul looked at this guy and he perceived he's ready. And we often pray for people before they're ready. And when we do very often, we just reinforce unbelief. Because Jesus only did what the Father told him to do. I try to move with the Spirit of God. Rather than responding to needs, responding to where the Spirit of God's moving. And God's moving here right now. So I'm gonna move quickly. I'm gonna preach a bit longer than this morning, probably, because this morning I got totally lost, totally bewildered, jet lagged out of my brain, just gave up and prayed for people. Then we read in chapter six that Jesus fed 5,000 men plus women, plus children, a lot of people with five barley loaves and two fishes. He demonstrated that he is the multiplier. He'll take little and multiply it. He'll take virtually nothing and make something. He's the God who raises the dead. We read in, in Romans 4, he's the God who raises the dead and calls the things that be not as though they were. And he's the one that can take hold of small things that we sow to God. We sow a seed unto God and we watch God multiply that seed. We watch the multiplication of seeds sown. We give him something. A little boy gave him five loaves and, and uh, two fishes about this big. If you've seen those little fish over there, they're little miserable looking things. A kid's lunch, you don't give your kid. You don't want your kids to get fat. My mother used to send me to school with a rack of lamb, but that, that was, it's not, not really true, it's not true. I don't know why I said that, it was a stupid comment. It's a stupid comment, why did I say that? Lord, forgive me for that. You know I never went with a rack of lamb. I used to go with Vegemite and tomato. And the tomato would make the sandwiches so soggy they were just like sort of crunchy, porridgey bread with Vegemite. Ooh, that was nice. Mouth's watering, just thinking about it. <laughs> Chapter six, he came walking on the water and we know the story there that he got in the boat and immediately they're on the other side. But we know back in Matthew that he was on the water in the same place and there was a great storm rose up and that great storm was literally like a hurricane and, and Jesus, they came and they said, Lord, are you afraid? That's not here in John, but I'm alluding to it and talking about it anyway because it fits in. But they came and they said, Lord, aren't you worried that we're gonna die? And 
Jesus said, oh, ye of little faith, got up on the front of the boat, pushed his way up the front of the boat and spoke to the wind and simply said, be still. And a hurricane stopped. Hurricane stopped. The Bible says it was a violent tempest blast in the Greek. A violent tempest blast. And Jesus shut it down with two words, be still. Be still. And the disciples marveled and they said, what manner of man is this? That he speaks and even the wind and the waves are subject to him. But we have authority tonight. Authority even with the realm of weather. God's here tonight. And then we read in chapter nine of a man blind from birth. The disciples said, who sinned? Who sinned? Did he sin? Sure. As a little baby in the womb, he was sneaking out at night and stealing cars. I heard a comedian say once that while he's in the womb, he said, before I've got my fingerprints formed, I better get out and steal some stuff. And he was sneak, sneaking out at night, stealing before he had finger trips, tips, uh, fingerprints. I don't think it's a true story. <laughs> but how was a child to sin? To be born blind? What did he do in the womb? Who sinned? His mother? Back in the time there, Venereal disease would cause babies to be born blind. So they asked that question. He said, no, this is for the glory of God. And he went up to this young man and was man and spat on the ground and made mud or made some clay. I don't know if he had any sockets. Any, well, I hope he had sockets. It'd be terrible to have eyes without sockets. I'm still a bit jet-lagged. <laughs> so just a different form. But he spat and he made clay and he pushed the clay into the man's eyes and he said, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. I think one lexicon says it means to gush forth. But the pool of Siloam was really from where they took water to pour on the altar as, as a statement. I haven't got time to go there. Um, on the day of the great feast, they brought water from the pool of Siloam and poured it on the altar as, really as a statement of the outpouring of the Spirit of God. He said, go down there and take water and wash. And as he went down and just washed the clay from his eyes, he could see. But I like to think that there were no eyes in those sockets and that when he, when he put the water to his eyes, suddenly there were two new eyes. My wife prayed for a lady, I believe in the Philippines, and there was an empty socket and liquid began to run down the face and she watched something begin to form and turn and she said she looked and she saw an eye form in the socket. But I think Jesus demonstrated that he could still take clay and make parts for a human body. And he can make parts for your body. He can heal you tonight. 
He can heal you. He wants to heal you tonight. He wants to restore things in your body. People have a stroke. The first miracle I ever saw, well, it wasn't. It was the second one. The first one I ever saw was in a Baptist place where I was asked not to speak about the Holy Spirit. And so I didn't. I just prayed for them. And a lady got a whole set of teeth restored, a whole set. And I thought that was pretty amazing. Went to the dentist, didn't recognise her teeth. That's, that was a good start. Then I... Then I <laughs> I preached in a church and a guy was paralysed down one side. I'm trying to remember what I was telling you. What was I telling you? I'm slightly jet lagged, I'll be honest with you. What was I telling them that, Phil? Miracles. Oh yeah, miracles anyway, but (laughs) miracles, miracles. Exactly. I don't know what it's got to do with the bloke's eyes. Anyway, the bottom line is that the guy was healed and I, I don't think, I've got no idea what that's got to do with the story. That's just another one thrown in for nothing as a little, little donation into the system. Oh man, I'm trying tonight, Phil. I'm giving it my best. I think I'm enjoying myself too much. Are you enjoying yourself? No complaints? You've got to enjoy church. How many like church? I, I mean, I went, when I was a kid, I went to a church where everybody sat around like, like they'd been sucking lemons and baptised in vinegar. And a, a guy died one day in the back row and they got the undertaker in and he measured up 87 people before he found the right one. That's not really true. I, the, church, the church I went to was the first church of the frigid air where many are cold and a few are frozen. I, I knew it was a cold church when a polar bear handed me the hymn book. Oh, that's a weak joke. Oh, that's a good one, though. It's a good one. Just pulled that one out of the archives. Pulled it out of the archives tonight. How are we doing, Dave? You're taking notes or have you given up? I'll give you something else here. So he's the God who can still create something out of nothing. He's the God, as I said, who raises the dead and calls the things that be not as though they are, as though they were, as though they're here. And that's what we have to do. We have to have the God kind of faith. Say to this mountain, get up and move and go into the sea. We've got to start to declare that things are not, uh, things that be not as though they are. We've got to start to speak to circumstances. We've got to start to take authority. We've got to start to change our circumstances. How many believe that we can talk doom and gloom in America. In the natural, it looks bad, bad. I mean, we look on from Australia and we go, I'm not even gonna go too far, but there's, whoo. Some of the people in politics. Don't go, Tim, don't go. (laughs) I mean, look. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) He's the God who makes something out of nothing. So start speaking into your situation. What are you speaking into? What are you speaking into being, daring to declare... In God, things that you're speaking about. 
We're speaking about stuff all the time at home. Got invitations just, just going into just meetings in Berlin and we've got invitations to do stuff in Bulgaria, invitations to go here and we're wading through and saying, Father, where do you want us to be? What do you want you to do? The world's open, but it's critical timing. What should we do? But God's saying, hey, move in and stir the church to take dominion, stir the church to step into another realm. We can see America change. I think there's a revival coming. I think there's a great revival. I think there's a great revival move coming to America. We want to be, I want to be over here. There's something happening. Then the miracle number seven is Lazarus, dead for four days. And Jesus didn't go, he stayed behind. Mary and Martha weren't too impressed. But Jesus said, roll back the stone. Lazarus come forth and out he came in the grave clothes. And he said to them, take the grave clothes off him. And he declared again that he's his master in the realm of death. I think I shared with you when we're here before, the absolute thrill it is to be holding a little dead child and as everybody's praying to hear the, the pull of breath as that little child comes alive in your arms and you hand back a living child to a mother who's weeping and crying out with excitement. And we've seen it a few times, a couple of times, in our ministry and seeing God raise the dead several times. I'd like to see it more. I saw a lady one day in a road accident. Did I tell you about the lady that got thrown up in the air about 20 feet, landed on her head? There's blood going everywhere. There's weird colored blood coming out. She was on the road there. She'd... I remember going over and it was like being in a dream. I just yelled out, live in Jesus' name. And she sat up and started talking coherently like nothing had happened. Nothing had happened. I don't know if she's dead, but she certainly wasn't looking too good. He's the God of the impossible. He's the God who wants to do the impossible tonight. He's the God who wants to step into your life tonight and do a miracle in your family. He wants us to take dominion this week for families, for homes. How many have got loved ones that you need to have come back? How many have got kids that are away from God? Kids on drugs, kids that their lives are a mess. Well, he's the God wants to bring them back. In Isaiah 60, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Gross darkness is covering the earth and gross darkness the people, but the Lord will arise upon you and His glory will be seen upon you. And a couple of verses later, it says, your sons and daughters will come from afar. Your daughters will be nursed at your side. It's a word from God. Start to speak it. Our kids are coming back. It might look bleak out there, but they're coming back. Nearly finished. The last big miracle was when Jesus was raised from the dead. It's number eight. And uh, it's found in, ver in chapter near the end. <laughs> Jesus was eating fish. And they were out fishing. And they looked over and saw the Lord. 
And he said, have you caught anything? I think Peter jumped out of the boat, didn't he? Yeah. Jumped out. He said, have you caught anything? Little children, he called them. I said, no. Throw your net over the other side. He'd done that before. When he called them, he said, throw it over. And they pulled in 153 fish of all different sizes that should have broken the net wide open. But the net held and the fish came in. He wants to supply. And in your business, he may say to you, throw your nets another way. In the ministry, I've found again and again, you come to a point of frustration and he says, you got your nets in the wrong place. If you're not catching, you've got to ask whether your nets are in the right place. I think that's a word for someone tonight. Might be for me. So I do know that since we've come back to America, everything we've been, before COVID, we had the most remarkable time over here. Remarkable. And coming back, I'm just aware that there's something in this land that's brewing here. And God's gonna do stuff in your business. How many business people here tonight? It's time for God to open and unlock stuff to you like you haven't dreamed. Creative ideas, clear direction. God's about to do the remarkable. Well, I preached long enough, I think. Probably just about long enough. I'll close with this. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 17 if through one man's death sin reigned by one, if through one man's death sin, sorry, death reigned by that one. The word reigned is basilus, which means to operate with kingly dominion. Through one man's sin, death, the satanic realm, ruled. And where people don't want Jesus, it continues to rule. And death continues to reign without Christ. But if through one man's sin, death reigned by one, how much more, how much more shall we who have received the gift of righteousness reign and rule in life and have dominion by one Christ Jesus? Ruling in life. And the word to rule comes from the root word basileus, which basically means to operate from the base of power. What's the base of power in the universe? God himself. How much more shall we op operate in the rulership of the dominion of God in every element of our lives? How much more? He wants us to rule tonight over disease in this building, over pain, over long-term problems. God started to move this morning, but I felt the Lord say, you gotta speak authority 
tonight and you really get what you preach. God broods over his word to do something and that is to perform it, to make it happen. He says, how much more are we to be ruling in life, ruling over every form of disease? I'm gonna tell you one more story and then I'm gonna quit. Is that okay? I closed up the book but then reopened it. Oh my gosh. I've opened it at the wrong end. That's when I'm cartooning in the back. But I'll tell one story. And some of you would be aware, I was thinking about it this afternoon. And John G. Lake, great hero of mine. Adventures in God will change your life. John G. Lake had a brother that was dying because of his kidneys. He was losing blood faster than his body could make blood. And they were trying to get him on all sorts of stuff, medication, natural stuff to cause his blood to grow, but he was losing it faster and slowly dying. And they took him to see John Dowie, who was an Australian, greatly used of God. Started off down in Sydney when they, the plague broke out there and he took authority and stopped the plague in Sydney. He came here, did the most extraordinary miracles. But he prayed for, for the man, he was healed. And then his sister had cancers in her breasts and brought her to John Dowie. And again, she was healed and she was like new. No trace of these terrible cancers that were eating her body. But then his wife became very sick and they prayed for her and she got sicker and sicker. She had a heart condition. Apparently they were giving her these tablets that had nitroglycerin. That'll give you, that'll get you going. Uh, you'd have to be careful using that. But they're giving this medication and nothing was happening and she got sicker and sicker and she's lying on a deathbed. And they called the pastor and the pastor said, John, let her go. Let her go, she's pretty much, not much hope now, you've just gotta have the peace of God now and let her go. And he went away and he said, no, no, that's not, that's not where it's at. And he began to search the scriptures and God took him to Acts 10.38, how Jesus of Nazareth went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Healing all that were oppressed. What's the word oppressed? The word oppressed is katadunasteu. Katadunasteu. Yeah, it's a good one. Tu. The O has a, yeah. Kat, anyway, it doesn't matter. But it means... Under dominion, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all that were under the dominion of the devil for God was with him. Then he read Luke 13 verse eight of the little woman bowed and God said, ought not this little woman of Abraham be loosed of her bond? Sickness is a bond. It's a satanic oppression. It's a demonic rulership. And God says, we have dominion over that demonic rulership. So tonight, if you have tumours in your body, that's a demonic rulership against you. If you have lung disease, that's a demonic rulership against your body. Whatever we're suffering, depression is a demonic rulership. We've got authority to break that. You've got authority to break that with your own words. 
If we're reigning as kings, how does a king rule? A king rules by his words. We're going to exercise dominion tonight. The power of God is here to make people whole, to set people free tonight. It's here to touch us. But I'd like to do something first. I just wonder how many people tonight are really believing for their kids to come back. You're needing your family back. You're really frustrated about the situation with your family. I wonder if tonight we can do something for your kids. I wonder if every person that have got family members away from God. We, I've got a, a couple that really, well, my family got a few that are full on for God and a few that are full off for God. And I want them all full on. But if you need family members to come back and you're believing for them, I want you to stand wherever you are. Just stand. We're going to take authority in this place tonight and break a bunch of things and have a breakthrough. Holy Spirit. I want individuals right through the building. Everybody stand and those that are, have children that you want back, you leave your hand up and everyone around you lay hands on you. Just lay hands on you. I want you to believe that even this week we're going to have kids coming back. Here. Coming back. Coming back. The power of God's right through this building. Let's stand and lay hands on them. Your prayers are powerful tonight. So this is what we're going to do. The first thing is we're all going to pray for families that are away from God. We're going to pray for your family to turn. I think of the scripture in the book of Acts chapter 12 where Peter was in jail. Not only was he in jail, he was in the deepest cell of the jail facing death. He was on death row. And he was chained. There was no way known on earth that he could come out of that cell. And you might have children so bound by drugs that you feel that they're on death row. And without a breakthrough, they're gonna be lost. I want us to believe tonight that our kids are coming home and those of them that are deeply in drugs or in situations in life where they are facing the possibility of death, that as we pray, just as an angel came into the cell and woke Peter up, and as the church prayed fervently and took authority and took their dominion, an angel went in and the chains fell off. And Peter sat up and the angel said, come on, Peter. And he pinched himself a couple of times and the door was open and he led him out of death row and he took him through the next gate and he led him right to the gate of the city and he took him out of the gate of the city and he said, Peter, we're going down to the prayer meeting where right now they're praying for you. Right to the prayer meeting. And Peter knocked on the door and poor Rhoda nearly had a heart attack. Yeah. 
And she said, you know how we're praying, we can probably stop now, Peter's here. And God turned it in a moment of time as they prayed exactly like we are gonna pray right now. But this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray. Then we're gonna shout, but we're not just gonna have a little shout. We're gonna have a shout that echoes in the spirit right out to these kids, wherever they are, that echoes far and wide, even into the darkest. You might even have kids that are in jail. I've had a couple of mine <laughs> that have made a few number plates. They're not there now. They're... My grandson had a little spell and he's just given his life to Christ. The day he gave his life to Christ, the next day he got a pay rise. He said, man, this Christianity is good value. <laughs> and then he got a new job. So he's pretty happy. He knows God's real right from the word go. So number one, we're gonna pray. And I feel the Holy Ghost brooding on us. There's a tremendous anointing just in the house. We're gonna pray and then we're gonna shout. But I don't want us to give a little shout that's like, I'm excited. I wanna shout unto God with a voice of triumph and believe that something in the realm of the Spirit is gonna snap wide open. That our shout is gonna echo and have the authority of the words of Jesus when He spoke and said to the nobleman, your son is healed. Are you ready? We're all gonna pray and they're gonna shout. And I want you to continue to shout because as you do, the power of God's gonna come upon people. If someone starts to fall, catch them. If somebody begins to come under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, work with them. But we're gonna work together for a couple of minutes as a body and your family. God's gonna turn it around. Have the God kind of faith. Say to this mountain, get up and move. And don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say is gonna to come to pass. You'll have whatsoever you say. And we're gonna take dominion and the spirit realm's gonna break open where the, words, the word is gonna shaft through the spirit realm and shaft through time and shaft through powers and principalities and, and through influences and people around them that are feeding negative stuff into them and people are gonna break off them and they're gonna get some common sense and their eyes are gonna, uh, scales are gonna drop off their eyes. They're gonna see who they are maybe like the prodigal son in the pig pen. So we're gonna pray and then I want you to shout and I want you to keep shouting. I want you to keep shouting until you know something's breaking, until we feel in this house that something's breaking. And then God's just gonna cut loose in this place. God is gonna cut loose in this. He's breaking loose. Are you ready? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, all dominion is given in the Name of Jesus. We are reigning tonight in Jesus' Name. Reigning as kings and priests with authority. And we speak to all the loved ones here. All the loved ones are far away. All the influences against them. And we command tonight the 
that there would be a major breakthrough. That chains of darkness will fall off. And that people will be set free. And start coming home. Returning in the authority of the name of Jesus. And now, now, on the count of three, I want you to shout. I want you to shout with a voice of triumph. I want you to shout until you feel something's broken here, till you feel that something's snapped, because something's going to snap tonight that's going to snap through the week. It's going to snap on night after night now. Are you ready? On the count of three, take your authority. Believe for every person. One, two, three. this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.